Welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Hame, and you can call me H for the sake of convenience. My name is Ryan Quintel, and you can call me Q. H, we have something we need to talk about today. Oh, what is that? <laughs> this podcast is, it's really bad. It. I was, I was really fearing it would be. <laughs> oh gosh, all of my insecurities. Sorry, I'll let you finish. No, no, no. I'll let you confirm all that because, you know, we can be bad. But I always feel challenged week to week. You say, hey, I got to come up with this idea or whatever. So this past week, I took to hitting the app store on my phone and downloading something called Brain Sparker. Mm -hmm. And Brain Sparker is an app where they literally just give you the smallest little nudge. And I said, this this could be useful. This could really throw me in a direction here that I... I... So your pitch today is called Mind Kindle. (laughs) Would that be nice if it was like a startup generator of just Groupon meets, you know, Snapchat or whatever? It feels like the the cross between an Amazon product and Hitler's autobiography, which I don't really want to know what the intersection is there. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? That's funny because I guess if Hitler were alive today, he would just make a shitty app instead of his book. Right. Or or he'd have a blog. He'd have a blog, wouldn't he? Um, (laughs) He'd be on Tumblr. So I want to go through a couple of these with you to see maybe if it gets Mm -hmm. your juices flowing before I'm sure we already have our pitches predetermined here, but Mm -hmm, maybe this sends us into a new direction. We put our pitches in this envelope (laughs) and you can open them after we've delivered them. You'll be amazed by what you see. And now beware listeners. If we, if you guys don't write in at some point and nobody sends us anything, we may have to look at brain spark or whatever this thing's called. Um, All right, here we go. I'm going to flip through one. We'll just read a couple of them. Here we go. Okay. Positive personality traits, question mark. Oh, that, that, okay. That's the entire... <laughs> a little vague right. doesn't okay. really help. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here, this one, this is a good one. He could smell the pungent odor filling the room. He knew he had only seconds before dot, dot, dot. <laughs> wow. I would love a smell-based video game and not like this <laughs> South Park kind of way that they were doing it for a little while there, but... Uh, a true smell-o-vision, a true you go to a thing and then somehow your your phone or your your connect could emit some sort of sense. <laughs> yeah, something like that. We'll read one more and then we'll get down to the business of pitching some video games. Okay. Um, here it is. As I walked towards her, I flipped through my mental Rolodex of pickup lines... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> this is a strange app. I like it, though. Yeah. I won't be using it today, but we'll we'll get into it. I like to think that the last pitch was about a guy who sees a werewolf in the woods and can only think about pickup lines as a way of distracting it from devouring him. Yes. And it's kind of a sexy... This sells. Werewolf sell. Look at Twilight. Uh, sex sells. <laughs> I think we're onto something. We're turning the ship around. That's right. Well. Speaking of ships, uh, I don't know if that's a good transition yet or not, because I don't know what you have in store for us today. So, Ryan, will you captain the ship and take us over the horizon into your first pitch? 
Yes, well, my pitch for you today, Fine H, is a Stardew Valley-like town hangout chill simulator, if you will. Mm -hmm. But you play as a prophet that everyone knows and everyone Mm. adores and everyone listens to your beckoned command. So you can say that building should be built or you can give people advice in their relationships and their jobs and inspire and set forth rules and then you go to sleep here's the catch you're asleep for a year and only awake one day of the year so Mm. every day that you're awake you kind of go out and give all these commands and tell people how to live their life and what the best of the best stuff is and how to be then you go to sleep time fast forwards a la sim city or something and then when you wake up you kind of get a report from your you know perfect servant who always wants to follow you around and listen to your every whim and he tells you the happenings of the past year of the town and you find out so-and-so did this, this building was built, this new monument, there's this new law, and this has been added to the religion. And you kind of have to live like that and with your own choices and repercussions every year trying to right the ship from your butterfly effect choices. Interesting. All right. Well, let's work with that, and we will start the clock there. That's interesting, this whole idea about... Ah, like a religious awakening in this town or serving as this prophet. Of course, you're trying to tell them about something that's going to happen, uh, to prophesy something, if you will. It reminds me of of uh, Campster, the YouTube channel, uh, excellent uh, errant signal, that whole series of, of videos of kind of deep dives on video games. I did a video a few weeks ago called The Shrouded Isle based on the game of the same name. Hmm. And that's all about being a kind of a cult leader in this Cthulhu-esque kind of world. But it it's all about kind of managing not only appeasing your elder god, but also kind of managing the... I don't want to say the expectations of the townsfolk, but like kind of keeping the, the spirit of... Uh, the religion alive in the town. So encouraging things like like blind faith and lack of education and discouraging things that would cause people to take more of a philosophical awakening and question some of the religious tenets being put in place. And so aspects like that, uh, but on a much more dispersed schedule mm. uh, is is definitely interesting because it's not as much like a hands-on simulator as it is like a turn-based card game in a way where you play a certain number of actions, then you just kind of have to end your turn and see how it goes. Yeah, I like the idea of maybe even there's some ritual that you have to go through when you wake up from your slumber of going and putting on some clothes and getting ready and presenting yourself and then going out in the day and kind of interacting with the townsfolk. And then a year later... You wake up and you see everyone is wearing the outfit you were in and people have the hairstyle you chose, men or women or children, you know, everybody's got it. I also like the idea of maybe there's some way to make decrees or interact with the citizens and have dialogue trees and 
give them advice and give them choices. And then to see what good was done in your name and what bad was done in your name, mm. almost like that phone game we had talked about a couple weeks back, Rain, I believe it was. Okay. Um, so you're sort of making these decisions, seeing the outcome of them. And ideally, what you want to do is go through a number of years and have a healthy, prosperous society without getting too many people killed, essentially. Yeah, it's interesting. And and maybe having to kind of quickly reacclimatize yourself to the way that the religion has evolved while you were asleep. You know, you, you think about like modern day Christianity, for example, like if Jesus were to come into the modern Christian world today, he'd probably not be super popular because, you know, he really liked uh, um, the poor and he really liked refugees and stuff like that. And that just doesn't really get on with uh, modern Christianity all that well. And so <laughs> um, he'd have a blog as well. He would also be a blogger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. YouTube magician turning Tide pods into wine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the idea of Jesus just saying, smash that like button. As long as I get that, <laughs> then I'm all set. But having to kind of adjust the way that you present the message and to not do certain things that your culture has grown to dislike in the time of your absence, based on the way that they've interpreted your message. This also makes me think of there's a the band called Arion, which is a progressive metal band, all kind of led by this one guy named Arian Lucasen. It was just this kind of brilliant multi-instrumentalist. And he's been telling this story for decades now about this old blind band back in the kind of castle days who is sent a apocalyptic vision from the future where scientists have seen that the end of the world is encroaching. And so they they gather their resources and send a vision back into the past to follow up on one random person in, in oh. hopes of of avoiding this future that they've found themselves in. And it happened to to land on a blind bard. And he this was the first thing that he'd ever seen. There's this apocalyptic vision. So he didn't really have the kind of vision sense to entirely understand what it was that he was seeing, but it was, he still felt the sense of responsibility to convey the message and to try to warn the leaders and know how far off in the future it was. But um, anyways, it's this idea that the prophet isn't necessarily trusted or isn't necessarily liked that sets up an interesting dynamic there. Although uh, it's an a different kind of interesting dynamic if the prophet is like a central integral part of the society, but maybe having some sort of a a metric of, of trust and distrust with your followers. The idea of people starting to doubt you, you know, you're you're gone the majority of the time. So there is a reason to have this creeping doubt and to see who's turning against you and to see people who become more and more galvanized, it's going to be just as much each year. Let's say the day is a 20-minute play session or a 30-minute play session, and that's kind of your round, a, la, mm -hmm. a longer sieve round or something like that. Mm -hmm. You have to spend maybe as much time after you read your report and see what happened. You have to spend as much time appealing to those people and kind of keeping followers as much as you have to juice up your base. It's weirdly sounding political at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a certain element of politics to religion. But uh, what if you also had to kind of plant your church to uh, choose the leaders 
who would kind of keep the faith alive, so to speak, in your absence and really decide who is taking the mantle. And maybe that can have positive or negative consequences. So what if we add on top of that system something like if you have a lot of believers, you've appointed the right leaders, you've given the right decrees, and now actually while you're out, when you wake up, you gain a certain amount of belief points. And depending on how much belief you're generating and how you're appealing to the people of the town, you are able to enact a certain amount of things, right? So you're you're only ever able to control as much as you're willing to get people to believe in you. It's a real Tinkerbell economy. Yeah, exactly. You run out of your precious little light. And everyone has to clap to get you back to full power. <laughs> you know... That actually is a great way of thinking about it. Maybe you're an ethereal being or something. You know, you're this kind of fictional thing. You're, it, it doesn't make sense for a human to be the thing asleep. So mm. maybe you are, yeah, a truly magical being that can come around. It's almost a haunting, but it's a very direct and interactive haunting. It would be interesting if you also have to kind of find yourself in the middle of stories, legends that would be told, kind of like the uh, end of The Last Jedi, where it's all about kind of spreading the stories. Or if you have to establish customs that would keep people in tune with the religion more than they would be otherwise. And uh, these would all, of course, kind of cost you time and maybe even resources. But, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have one day, time is really of the essence. And if you're going to spend half that time modeling for a photograph, it could be a good use of your time or it could be a complete waste of it. Yeah, I like the idea of having to balance the unknown, right? Whether or not you know something is going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Maybe that point system is a good way of doing that. I'm trying to think of other ways to measure. Creating relics and artifacts and stuff like that, that would, um, that could be kind of canonized within the church. Yeah. Or if you have to set those early on in your playthrough and (laughs) sort of deal with Mm. trying to continuously adjust and correct people's expectations you know people say (laughs) a lot in america well if the founding fathers were around today they probably wouldn't be too happy to see things like the government shutting down and all this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't know what they would think they might be like yeah this is exactly how how it would have gone to us so to have those legends like the gap between to use another last jedi reference the gap between the fictionalized what people thought luke skywalker was and what luke skywalker really was Mm -hmm. is an interesting gap and so some level of you can maybe choose to live in the lie and bolster people's imaginations with this stuff or try and temper them and create potentially a less bombastic, but maybe also by default, a little less rewarding society. Yeah. I like that. When I was, we're out of time on that one. Q, do you come with a name for that pitch? I was simply going to call it the great knower, (laughs) but uh, I'm willing to entertain anything. Hey, great knower sounds like fun. I like that. We can keep it there. Sounds good. (laughs) I don't have anything better. (laughs) All right. Well, I did me. You do you. All right. On the theme of political machinations, I'm thinking of something that is uh, you play as a media outlet or like a, a like a sinister government or something that's trying to control the public opinion and to rig elections and stuff like that. And your job 
is to stitch together the sound bites of political speeches or um, <laughs> you know things like that those those types of sound bites mm-hmm. into creating different types of messages that they wouldn't want to convey and so i was kind of inspired by the poetry creation mini games in doki doki literature club or you know all these kind of text adventure games these uh kind of interactive adventures where they are very word-based, where you really have a lot of freedom in being able to kind of mix these around and uh, create new meaning that the game would be able to understand and interpret and guide the simulation in that direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I can see that being fun. So let's see where we can take that. We'll go ahead and start the clock. Well, what I really, first of all, I love the idea of audio manipulation or anything like that in a game. And one of my favorite movies that is a great bad movie is called equilibrium Mm, and they have not only these kind of manufactured speeches but the leader the visual of the leader is actually a computer generated Mm. image and so i love the idea of being able to even control you know make a fictional cast of leaders that are delivering these things (laughs) potentially but i almost wonder like if there's some way to if it's a text-based game to see or get reactions from the crowd you know so much of what our for better or worse our current leader of america is doing feels Mm -hmm. extemporaneous at any given point so to to like play off the crowd or to be able to interpret the booze or the the will of the people in order to affect how you're giving the speech kind of mid-speech might be interesting I would like to think that these are, I mean, obviously the speech has been given previously and then we are choosing how to present this on television or something, but doing our best to arrange something and try to smooth out all of the transitions to make sure that it doesn't sound manufactured, yeah. uh, to maybe change up and down the the pitch of, of certain pieces of the speech to make it sound more natural. That's interesting. What if you even, if you formatted it in the style of the news, you know, so much of what the Daily mm, Show yeah. does or, you know, these clip news shows do is they're taking tiny snippets of what people say and then they're just padding it with opinion until it feels like the thing that actually happened. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there can be some aspect to it that is, you know, taking these snippets and maybe less changing them into questions or something, but like figuring out how to wrap them in an opinion that you craft to sell something better. And I I like the idea of the score after you sort of put together the new fake speech or the broadcast, the score to be those little real time debate pollers where the people Mm, are supposed to push the button when they, they're hearing something they like and they're like, Oh, they really like that. And you can (laughs) see the numbers going up. Yeah. I'd be interested. I mean, obviously thinking about this from like a game system perspective, uh, you'd want to keep the interface pretty simple and easy to control. And so you'd have to kind of minimize the amount of like free entry text or anything. So I think like dragging stuff around would be the easiest way to create this like as a video game, but you can definitely be very creative about the imagery that you apply to certain parts of the speech Uh, to put that against like war footage or something might completely recontextualize what the person is talking about and uh, really being able to kind of manipulate the message, which I understand is maybe not 
a game that I would make at this particular point in time because we don't really need a lot more uh, people being <laughs> suspicious <laughs> of the news media at this particular point in uh, our political history. But sure. at some other time when things are a little bit more stable and our politicians have our better interests in mind. I'm trying to think of the mechanics also when you talk about the interface of capturing or having access to some of this audio. Would it be interesting for the capture segment or the, the maybe there'd be a time where you're trying to get this audio and you are kind of going through the rounds of having to flip through a television interface or something mm. and just kind of watch things and you're standing by with I don't know, maybe something that's, you know, visually just as simple as a tape recorder, but you're able to push that record button. Yeah, that would be interesting. Capture little moments of it. And you can almost like get the sense of where somebody's going to go with something and and know to when to lead the target. It's almost like a, an, an audio shooter, if that makes any sense. <laughs> well, you'd know because uh, you have a few channels that you can flip between and you have a certain number of minutes to capture footage and you'd be capturing both the audio and the video at the same time. And so based on what you find on TV, you can think like, oh, maybe I can use this piece of dialogue and this piece of the video and all of this can come together to create a, uh, a much different message than you would see otherwise. Yeah, you're almost creating a mini documentary maker of sorts, yeah, sure. but a really, really <laughs> small like small context, like the whole thing maybe ends up being a minute long or something mm -hmm. or two minutes long. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how, if we were going to go beyond it just being this interesting exercise in capturing and editing, if there's a way to score it, if there's a way to share it, some, some method of external validation of what you've created. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing is that if, if we are capturing stuff that we've created within the game, then it could all be, scripted and we know what words are in those audio segments and so it'd be easier to kind of score and validate through the game systems because we have the entire script right there in front of us but if they were capturing audio or video from outside of the game and bringing it into it then scoring would become almost an impossible feat at that point right right it's almost like it just has to be almost a sandbox of the most interesting snippets. It's a, a way of sharing it with other people and showing off and making people have that moment where they go, Ooh, I, I never thought of listening to that phrase <laughs> in that way. Right. It'd be kind of fun if there were some, uh, sillier things you can do with it as well. <laughs> if you can be really creative and get, you know, the president to say some sort of like a, like a pro warrior wear message or something <laughs> goofy. <laughs> Anything to have a, a Waluigi, reference in there i will pay for yeah, it sure <laughs> do you think it can be just for say we want to make it less dark can this be for selling a child's toy can this you know is there is there almost a way to take messages and craft them and turn them into maybe something weirder like a, even a music video or something it would be kind of fun to do one of those like uh one of those gregory brothers type videos where you're taking a song and auto or taking a speech and auto tuning it tuning it to uh, turn it into a song of some sort that would be uh, quite amusing to try to turn what a politician is saying into farce somewhat that would be a, uh, a very ambitious game i would think 
Well, what if we go ahead, like, let's take it from a technology standpoint. Let's say it's Mm -hmm. browser based Mm -hmm. and we actually provide something where it's an interface that's always organic, always changing. And every day you get maybe randomly selected YouTube videos and you're able to just take any segment you want plug that into a little thing and then you kind of get you know a string of stuff that everybody can share every day of saying this is what I made with today's stuff so that way it feels like an an ever growing tv channel of just remixes and new ways of looking at very disparate and strange content yeah that's kind of fun i like that <laughs> the world is the game we've done it yeah having a limited sandbox to uh, but everybody has the same tools to work with and it's all about comparison and creating the best most creative thing with the the limited resources that you have that's cool elements of little big planet in there as well yeah and i like the idea of sharing it out and literally maybe if maybe the game is just how viral you can make something go, <laughs> right? So you share out your thing, you're connected to your Twitter or your Facebook account, and we're able to count your likes, count your retweets, and there's just a leaderboard every day. So now you're sort of putting this meta game layer over YouTube itself. This this is something that's kind of fun to think about for me because one of my favorite weird YouTube integrations is a website that is I think it's called YouTube Looper or something mm-hmm. like that, which l- lets you take any segment of a YouTube video and just crank it on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And I will use it to like listen to strange guitar solos or to repeat the chorus of a song very often. But mm. the idea of using that same start and end technology and then arranging it with other videos to make new stuff could be kind of cool, especially if you guarantee that one of the videos is always going to be like a very dry C-SPAN video and another one's going to be a weird cat video and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. It's taken in very different directions now, but we have to close down the polls on that one and uh, see what we can do with that. I don't come in with a title, but maybe something like Audio Stitcher. That's good. We won't call it Bannon Simulator. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> Um, Audio Doctor is good. Just I'm worried that has the same like studio type of sound to oh, it. Yeah, you know, that's where true. it sounds like a piece of software. Well, although it is, it is kind of a piece of software, <laughs> isn't it? What if you called it like audio control? Because it's all about message control and thought control or something like that. Yeah, sure. Audio control. I'll take it. And we're moving to our submission from you, the listeners. This comes from Ashton Herman, who says, While I wanted to pitch another original concept, the game I really want to see made right now is a sequel to the Panzer Dragoon saga, and I know just how I'd want to see it done. I hope one or both of you have some familiarity with the series. Oh, yes. Not me. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Good, good. I will shepherd you Because I'm not sure how else to describe my idea without relying on the past games. PDS traded in the series on-rails mechanics for a more standard JRPG turn-based combat system. I'm not denying that the game made a fun spin on the trope, but I'd like to imagine another Panzer Dragoon RPG more fully embracing its bullet hell roots. So how about this? Panzer Dragoon Saga 2 goes full open world, and combat feels just like Panzer Dragoon Orta, but without the rails. Positioning becomes an important part of the gameplay, 
as players choose when to descend and determine for themselves when and where is best to strike their enemies. Components can be collected from fallen enemies to craft new weapons, armor, and gears for your dragon and rider, and getting experience levels allows the player to choose how they evolve their dragon. Do they favor speed and precision or heavy armor, for example? In the final Panzer Dragoon twist, however, the player actually customizes and maintains three dragon forms that can be switched to on the fly a la PD Orta. And taking on the game's more challenging enemies relies on the player's ability to deftly switch between heavy hitting and nimble evader types on the fly. Well, that's interesting. Okay, Ashton, <laughs> you guys ready to crack this thing open? Yeah. Now, you say that you have some familiarity with the series, so I'm going to have to ask you to fill me in a little bit on the gameplay style and what we're looking at while we're playing the game. Yes. Okay. So um, of the two, the two titles I've played is Panzer Dragoon Saga a very little bit because I believe it was a very old, whether it was a Saturn or Dreamcast game, it was an old Sega game. Yeah, I think the original Panzer Dragoon was on Saturn. Okay, yeah, so I barely played it. I played it probably over a friend's house for a few hours, but I played a lot of Orta. Mm -hmm. And Saga, there's linear levels and you have a dragon and you're flying around everywhere. You can't really go on the ground or anything. You have to fly. And you're using your dragon to fly around open boxes go into places and sort of complete these linear objectives through a level it's almost like a it probably feels a little bit like a slightly exotic crash bandicoot level if that makes hmm. any sense okay it looks a little bit like Star Fox. if i had to yes and so orta leans way into the Star Fox and is basically okay. a full on rail shooter um that's much faster and has like all the same like shoot hold down auto targeting type of stuff but also in orta you have the ability to i know i'm spending a lot of time at this point describing it but also in orta you have different types of dragons ones are more nimble you i, I think you have dragons that can even walk on the ground at some point mm. and he's calling he's calling the dragon types a twist is a is a final thing here well, i guess you'd be able to kind of transform your dragon between these different uh variants yeah, I really love the idea of a, it would almost be like Burnout Paradise, right? Where you have to negotiate <laughs> the open world entirely on a vehicle, mm -hmm. but everything in the world is also something that you are trying to crash into or get other people to crash into. I like this idea of a open world bullet hell because bullet hells work almost because they are very linear. You have a very narrow screen that you have to kind of yeah. maneuver between bullets and stuff, but... If this took place in an open world environment where you had a lot more freedom of mobility, you know, kind of like a Ori in the Blind Forest, maybe where you're kind of flying between these roots of uh, almost Metroidvania like branching pathways, uh, I, I would see, you know, the main gameplay taking place in like an overhead view where you're kind of weaving between bullets and, um, you know, going and exploring this dense enormous world and then when you would fly into a cave it would take the more kind of traditional behind the dragon view and it would kind of transition gameplay styles like you would see in near yeah i think that that's really a neat way of thinking about it and and to that uh effect 
I think it would also be cool to write a bullet hell, especially the Panzer Dragoon games, when, when things are coming at you in a linear way or in the way that Star Fox presents things, it feels very authored, right? This mm-hmm. is the beat where this enemy shows up. This is the beat where the next enemy shows up. But to flip that script and say, if you have to get to a part of the map and you know that a particularly dangerous type of enemy mm-hmm is indigenous to that part almost like a monster hunter or something and you're going to have to figure out a way to deal with that and potentially any of the lackeys that are are following you from your previous location um, that you haven't dispatched yet to make it feel like you're organically trying to navigate through the enemies in a less authored way in a way that feels more random and it's like oh man you know i really got you feel like you could get yourself into a bind rather than the game has just kind of upped the difficulty of the enemies it's serving you it's going to certain places where it's safe to go and certain places where you'll have to kind of level up and equip better dragon parts to get to later on i'd also like if there was a pvp mode where it's just kind of an open world bullet hell twin stick shooter where you're going around this world and you're just trying to survive but everyone out there is gaining weapon power-ups and ultimately kind of becoming bosses that you would face in a regular type of bullet hell game that would be really cool and imagine if the way that like a skyrim or uh, some of these more open world rpgs do level scaling where bad guys are are getting more intense or that the arkham city starts serving you tougher enemies when you start leveling up further imagine if you are going through a new spot and all of a sudden a new type of bad guy is starting to show up and <laughs> suddenly you have to change your tactics so it is a similar level right but as opposed to just altering what you're doing sort of navigation wise, you're also having to account for and and a new type of enemy. And and I really want to feel some of my favorite moments in the Orta uh, game for Xbox was these very exotic tunnels. And I think that you could still have segments or or throughways, transfer ways, maybe even to mask loading uh, in this open world mm-hmm. where you you go into complex tunnel segments. And it feels a little bit more like the traditional author content. And then when you get back to the open world, you can do quests and find secrets and maybe even land on the ground and slow the pace down a bit. Yeah, that'd be interesting if you, you know, you spend so much of the game in the air just flying around and shooting things. If it would be almost like a moment of discovery when you are able to land on the ground or when when you're able to go underwater or to ascend out into space. And then you've got different enemies, you play by different rules out there, maybe it kind of wraps around the planets like a Super Stardust game, uh, maybe just things things change when you descend or ascend higher. Yeah, I think it could also, here Ashton's talking about you're maintaining three different types of dragons. I, I love the idea of having a stall of these dragons that you can switch out and switch between, but I also like thinking of it in terms of these are three you know, character types and skill trees. Um, And God, now I, now I almost want to go destiny style with it, like a persistent open world uh, dragoon game where you can play with your friends and you have these different character (laughs) classes and you're taking down really huge enemies together, almost like the, uh, whatever that big serpent that shows up at the end of that new God of war trailer is like things that are Mm -hmm. just so, 
Shadow of the Colossus and possibly large. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And uh, having that kind of like a World of Warcraft raid feeling about it, or uh, like a Destiny boss, or like a Monster Hunter creature where it requires the collaboration of just whoever's around to try to take this thing down. Yeah, that to me could feel really cool. And if I'm leveling up and I'm going down the skill tree where I know I'm going to be fast and agile, but I can choose to put in some points towards maybe a little heavier hitting. I can customize my playstyle in a way that the old Dragoon games, right, feel very either or, right? They feel like yeah. you are, you're literally switching between these, these dragons or they're giving you a different type of dragon where now I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fast and I can hit hard, but I've got no health to show for it and that, those type of choices. Now, also, you could, just like Burnout, how you can pretty much for everything that you're doing, you're earning some sort of a score. So at any street corner, you can initiate crash mode and create this this huge pileup of Burnout, Burnout Paradise anyways. On any road, you can challenge the the times of anyone else driving down that road to try to get to the top of your friend's leaderboard for that road, how quickly you're able to get down it. Pretty much everything you do is measured in some way and compared against everything else. Similarly, this game could be broken up by just these little minute challenges that you would find in the open world and would be kind of rated on leaderboards for the high score chasers, which I know a lot of the Kane and Rince team are high score chasers and really keep their eyes on those leaderboards. <laughs> They're doing that Mario jump rope, something fierce. <laughs> I love that idea. And to think of, you know, maybe you could then return to the three different types of dragons or whatever that you can switch between. Mm -hmm. And as you're in the sort of battle dragon, you are the, the waypoints around the world are all sort of damage based or enemy based things. And then, you know, when you get to a waypoint that is a speed-based one, it switches you into the speed dragon. Or if you're doing a skill tree, it just temporarily gives you, like, evens out the speed for all participants so that they can yeah. navigate it. What you said stuck with me, though, which is you're getting points for not crashing or drifting or just driving in the wrong lane, right, in mm -hmm. some of these games. And so what if you apply that to... In the Panzer version of this, in this open world, when you're in these more complex valleys, and I think you could do really beautiful now mountain ranges and, and um, I've, uh, trenches and stuff that you have to go through, if you somehow can gain extra points if you choose to manually fly them in, and engage with the enemy instead of kind of just toggling on coasting mode and almost orta mode where you're you're having the dragon navigate for you and you're just yeah. worrying about the oncoming bad guys. Well, we're out of time there. I would have to come up with a name. I mean, there's all sorts of places we can go with this, like Dragoon Lagoon or <laughs> World of Panzer, just whatever it is that, that strikes your fancy. You have more experience with the series than I do. World of Panzer is very good. I think you could... All right. Yeah, uh, I mean, the only, uh, attaching world is the right thing. Either Panzer Dragoon World or World of Panzer, uh, both <laughs> work. All right, cool. That comes again from Ashton Herman, who we've heard from before. If you would like to have your pitch read, discussed, dissected, and uh, ultimately built into something probably entirely new on a future episode, then you can email us at playwrightcast at gmail.com. 
or you can go to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch. We'll take you right to the pitching portal where you can get your ideas straight to us and we will uh, we will do our thing. <laughs> and Ashton, if you want to go ahead and kickstart this game, you will have my X amount of dollars for the pre-order copy. I'll be first in line. X, that is the Roman numeral for 10. You will have $10. So, I will have exactly you know, make 10. Make it go far. <laughs> 10 Roman dollars uh, for your Kickstarter. <laughs> Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World. It's off the album Blue Noise. It's very good. Go give it a listen. Just to take us out of the show today, Q, why don't you come up with a little tiny miniature pitch for us to chew on? So I want to leave you with this. It is just simply an imaginary friend designer. Hmm. Interesting. Imaginary friends like the ones that children have. <laughs> yes, and I want to see it uh-huh. uh, go and ruin your adult life as well. <laughs> I like it. Well, anyways, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>